Welcome to the New Mexico News Podcast, headlines and stories from the land of enchantment. Brought to you by KRQE. Here's Chris McKee and Gabrielle Burkhart. When you hear police talk about crime these days, you've probably heard them mention one key word. It's a drug that's considered to be fueling a lot of crime these days, the drug being fentanyl. And if you're unfamiliar, fentanyl is a powerful synthetic opioid that's 50 to 100 times more potent than morphine. It is a prescription drug that's typically used to treat patients with severe pain, for instance, after surgery, but it's also highly addictive and it has over the years been made, sold, and used on the streets, usually in pill form, illegally. And the amount of fentanyl on the streets has seemingly increased a lot. We've reported stories not only about pounds and pounds of the drug being seized. The FBI just reportedly made the largest fentanyl bust in the Bureau's history right in Albuquerque. The FBI says agents in Albuquerque made history with a drug bust earlier this month. In September, our Albuquerque office conducted the largest takedown of fentanyl ever for the FBI, arresting four people with more than a million fentanyl pills. That's enough fentanyl to have killed thousands of people. That is just part of the news, though. The drug is also having a major effect on people with many suffering in New Mexico and elsewhere by accidental overdoses, among other effects. And even if you're thinking, well, I don't do drugs, this doesn't impact my life, there's a chance you may know someone who is impacted, or maybe you're a parent like me and you wanna know, what should I be looking out for? With us to talk about it all today is Carlos Briano. He's with the Drug Enforcement Administration, or DEA, out of El Paso Division, which also covers New Mexico. Carlos, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us. So first, we sort of described off the top what fentanyl is, but how do you describe what fentanyl is to people who aren't familiar? The medically made fentanyl that you mentioned earlier in the introduction that's administered in hospital settings, hospice care. But the one that we are involved with at the DEA is illicitly made fentanyl, and it's made by cartels in Mexico using chemicals that they obtain from Chinese and Indian chemical companies. And they're making it into counterfeit pills, fake pills that simulate medications that Americans are used to but it's not a medication. It's a fake pill made with illicitly made fentanyl. And when you are uh, prescribed fentanyl in a hospital setting under the supervision of a medical professional, it's administered in micrograms. But what the cartels are putting in these fake pills, it's usually in milligrams, which is a thousand times larger than the microgram that you're prescribed. Even more dangerous is that the average uh, pills that we seize, these fake pills, contain on average two milligrams, which is the lethal dose of fentanyl. And uh, of the pills that we seize, that we send to analysis in our laboratories, two of every five has more than two milligrams. Why has fentanyl gotten so big? Uh, You know, we've heard of different drugs over the years. They kind of come in ebbs and flows. but Why fentanyl? It's synthetic. In the past, cartels had to grow a plant. If you have a home garden, you'll know how hard that is to grow a plant and keep insects away from it, rely on on the weather, 
pesticides, it's labor intensive to grow a plant. Most of the drugs in the past were derived from that. But now it's a synthetic opioid. It's a synthetic illicitly made drug. And it's much easier for them. The investment that they put in turns into millions of dollars of profit. It's much easier to bring in the drugs when the amount is a smaller quantity. If you see a big bulk of uh, marijuana, for example, huge, a brick of cocaine, of meth, or of heroin, you've seen those. But a thousand pills of fentanyl can fit in the palm of your hand. It's a much easier thing to smuggle. So they do it for profit and for it's much easier process for them. It's more addictive. It's 50 times more powerful than heroin, a hundred times more powerful than morphine. So they're driving addiction and that, that turns into profits. If it kills 108,000 Americans in the process, it doesn't matter. That's just the cost of doing business for the cartels. We're in political season right now where we're seeing ads in part talking about a crackdown on crime and drugs, certainly from the candidates. Fentanyl is definitely something that we've also seen as the headlines, as we've mentioned. Is any portion of the fentanyl crisis you think maybe overblown or just sort of how bad is it from your perspective? We have a demand for medications that was driven in the late 90s, early 2000s. Doctors, pharmacists were overprescribing, as as you know. It created an addiction to legal medications. But the DEA uh, started enforcing the Controlled Substance Act. Doctors and dentists who were pers- overprescribing without even seeing, consulting their patients we're getting in trouble and DEA cracked down on that, but it left an addicted society, addicted communities, and the cartels are preying on that. So that's why DEA, in addition to enforcement, is really being robust about education, demand reduction, uh, really assisting with medical assisted treatment, working with the medical community, with addiction centers. Uh, with schools, uh, to really have open, honest discussions about the state of our society where we have this high demand um, for these substances, the legal ones and the illicit ones. So that's what DEA does since the mid-80s. We've been having a robust uh, community outreach, demand reduction, and prevention education program, but it's really kicked up into high gear the past few years, especially in Albuquerque. We launched Operation Engage in Albuquerque, which is exactly that. Uh, The name says it all. We're engaging with all sectors of the community to really tackle this because it's not just a law enforcement issue. It's also a health issue. It's a public safety issue. It's a national security issue. It's a family issue. It's an education issue. Um, so we're working with all those sectors to really uh, have open, honest discussions, roundtables, uh, forums, family summits. Albuquerque's having a big one. The discussion on October 13th. So it doesn't sound like discussions about fentanyl, in your opinion, have been overblown. No. And you're in El Paso, which is obviously a border town. I've heard law enforcement say, you know, most of the fentanyl seized here in New Mexico does come from Mexico. How much of this drug are your agents seeing at the border, even if you can tell us generally, and has it been increasing over the years? 
Every year it's been increasing since we first saw fentanyl in 2016-2017. And you're right, all the fentanyl, all the illicit fentanyl, meth, heroin, and cocaine is coming from Mexican cartels, primarily Sinaloa cartel and the Cartel Jalisco Nueva Generación, which is known by its acronym CJNG. That's where the illicit drugs are coming from Mexico. And they're not just coming into New Mexico, they're coming into every state in the U.S. And it's coming into every community, whether it's rural, urban, suburban, it's affecting every aspect of society. I know we touched a little bit on the ease of smuggling fentanyl over the border. It is a lot smaller. And so that in part makes it perhaps easier for some folks to smuggle that over the border. But we also, you know, for years have seen, as I mentioned, the ebbs and flows of different drugs. Marijuana used to be a big one that would come across the border. Drug sniffing dogs used to be a big part of that, as you'd see on the TV shows and all those big busts and whatnot. With fentanyl, are drug dogs as effective with that type of drug? Are there ways to conceal fentanyl, though, that just besides its size that make it easier to smuggle across the border? I don't want to go into our tactics that the Drug Enforcement Administration uses to catch these. We want to we're going to keep those close to the vest. But I will say this. We are being very robust with how we try to destroy these drug trafficking organizations that are smuggling in this poison into our communities, uh, not just bringing it in, but also at the source. We're trying to disrupt and dismantle the the production of these as well. DEA, we don't have just agents and offices in the U.S. We have them throughout the world because it is the number one threat now. And it's the most lethal threat. Uh, every group in DEA is dealing with this and is doing operations uh, concerning fentanyl and these fake pills and the powder form. The more lethal and, in my opinion, the more uh, horrible is the colored fentanyl that we're seeing now, the, as you guys have uh, called it, rainbow fentanyl. It looks like candy. It looks like sweet tarts. It looks like, uh, uh, and that is a tactic that the cartels are doing deliberately to attract young people uh, because they're trying to drive addiction. They're trying to create new customers. And so we know for a fact that the, that the cartels are targeting young people to become users, but also to do uh, smuggling. They've targeted them as well. So another reason to have an open, honest discussion, anyone listening to this podcast, take opportunity that you heard this podcast to start a conversation with your loved ones and ask them, what do you know about fentanyl, illicit fentanyl? What are you hearing? And have these discussions, arm yourself with information you can find a lot of information about illicit fentanyl at dea.gov forward slash one pill. Learn as much as you can about it. Show the photos to your loved ones, the side-by-side -side comparison that shows a real medication next to an illicitly made fake pill, and you'll be shocked. Show them photos of how much two milligrams is. We don't conceptualize two milligrams in our brain, but it's a few grains of salt. It fits on the tip of a pencil. Um, so show all that information. Uh, use, download the parent toolkits that we have on that website. Uh, download the app, talk to hear you. There's an app 
that models for you a way to raise this topic with your young person. We surveyed New Mexicans, high school kids. Three of every four said that they want their parents to talk to them about this issue because they consider their parents uh, one of the biggest influences in their life. So listen to that call to action, parents. You know, three out of every four New Mexican high school kids said, I want my parents to talk to me about this. So do it. Regarding just how deadly it is, you just mentioned that one pill and an APD narcotics agent recently told me that a single fentanyl pill can be deadly. We've also seen those PSAs showing that it can be disguised to look like other prescription meds. How can someone know for sure that they're not about to ingest fentanyl or anything laced with it? Well, we say that the only safe pill to ingest is one that was prescribed to you by a medical professional that you filled at a licensed pharmacy. The bottle has your name and you're going to take it as prescribed by that medical professional. Anything outside of that, you're potentially playing with your life. That's the DEA stance. I know you can't talk about the uh, specific seizure amounts because of national headquarters for the DEAs working on, as I understand, releasing a report soon. But can you give us an idea about what a large bust maybe looks like and what the street value of these pills is coming to New Mexico? The street value varies too much. I would not feel comfortable. It changes daily, believe it or not. Mm. And then the street value in Española would be different from that in Albuquerque, different from El Paso, different in New York and Chicago, uh, whether you're buying at retail, wholesale, uh, but in bulk, you know, it just there's just too many variations. I, I, I couldn't tell you. But in next week's release from headquarters, you're going to talk about it, some of the significant seizures that DA did concerning fentanyl and fake pills uh, throughout the country and including in New Mexico. But what is it, even if you can give us a general idea of like, what is a large bust? Are we talking like thousands, millions of pills? Yeah, again, I, I would, I'm going to respectfully, I prefer to answer that question next week. Got it. Uh, okay. Yeah, I just don't want to um, get ahead of our, our release that's coming from headquarters. But I will say that every year, the amount of drugs that the DEA El Paso division has seized has grown every year. It's been more this year than the previous and the year before that. It's just gone up, 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 the amount of seizure. The owner of an Albuquerque beauty supply shop has been arrested for drug trafficking. Albuquerque police work with the DEA. APD says undercover investigators made multiple drug purchases, netting thousands of fentanyl pills. $5.4 million of fentanyl was taken off the streets of New Mexico in the last 90 days. But officials believe there is still a lot more out there. there you mentioned talking to children and like high school students, but I've also heard, you know, you should talk to like your young children about it even. All your loved ones. You should talk to your siblings. You should talk to your parents about it. You should talk to your spouse about it. According to the CDC, this is the leading cause of death for people 18 to 45. That's a big uh, age uh, spectrum. One thing I've heard, you know, that is scary as a parent in this particular drug with it being even more like potent than some of those illicit drugs that we're used to hearing about in the past, like heroin and things like that. But for young people, they might think that ingesting something like a pill or smoking something 
is less risky somehow than maybe sticking a needle in their arm. What should parents be aware of specifically, or how do you suggest that people, I guess, talk to their children about it? You just mentioned like, make sure you're not taking a pill unless it's from your doctor. I would agree with you 100% that it has destigmatized illicit uh, drug use. Uh, a person who maybe would not inject themselves with a needle of heroin or do a line of cocaine may be more prone to ingesting a pill or crushing a pill and snorting it. But you're right. The public needs to know that the majority of the pills that you get illegally are probably made by a cartel and the cartel use fentanyl. So it's 50 times more powerful than heroin, a hundred times more powerful than morphine. That knowledge, everyone needs to know. And the DA is giving that information out, but we need our media partners to put that information out. So thank you for doing it. We need our medical doctors to put out that information. We need our teachers to do it. We need our coaches to do it. We need our clergy to do it. We need every influencer in our society to have this conversation and make the public aware that one pill could kill. That's a campaign, an awareness campaign that we put out recently. We feel that there is no room for experimentation anymore because the illicit drugs are so lethal now. Such a small quantity can potentially kill you. The evolution of technology and social media has certainly made drug dealing seemingly from what we see in the news easier for people in that world. Now with this kind of black market that exists on social media and dealers sort of having a little bit more anonymity than perhaps they used to, has it made things easier, more dangerous? If you have a mobile device now, you can be a potential target of a, a cartel member. They can reach you through that mobile device. Many of the tragic stories we've heard of deaths related to illicit fentanyl, that's what the parents, the loved ones said. They connected with the dealer through their smartphone, through social media, through the web. And so the cartels, without a doubt, are doing that. And, and the DA has adapted to, to deal with that as well. But you're right. It is now very easy for a cartel to connect with any person that has a mobile device. Um, so we have to have an open conversation about that. We have to talk to our loved ones about, especially if they're younger, about the dangers of illicit drug use, but also of how easily drug dealers, drug cartel members can connect with them via social media. And, and they're doing it in ways that are creative, that are attracted to them uh, in ways that disappear quickly. Uh, and we work hand in hand with these companies in this platform to address that issue. And we will continue to do that. Uh, but it's important for parents to also be aware that that the cartels are targeting not just the, the minors, but college kids, uh, people in their 20s and 30s as well. It's if they're in if they're uh, technology savvy, they can be the target. I know we've heard also from law enforcement, you know, here locally and federal partners uh, have put together 
several operations that we've covered recently, but how has this drug changed how agents in the DEA operate and how has the epidemic with fentanyl made those federal partnerships and operations with local agencies more prominent, it seems like? It was unheard of in the past to have agents dealing with pills, uh, but now there's not an agent that's not uh, investigating these cases because that is what the cartels are have shifted to for reasons I mentioned earlier, uh, profitability, ease of, 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 of production, ease of, of smuggle. Uh, for all those reasons, the DA has had to adapt to dealing with those cases. And we value our local, our state, and our other federal partners uh, in combating these because the cartels aren't just specializing in drugs. They also are involved in other areas of crime. Uh, so that's why we have to work with other of our local state and federal partners to do these combined initiatives. But I guess has has the increase in prevalence of fentanyl made it to where local smaller, maybe law enforcement partners have found themselves having to work with federal law enforcement more frequently? That's a good question. Ask the locals, you know, if they've had to pivot to work with us more, but we're always open to working with our local and our state and our other federal partners. We have to. Uh, It's like I said, it's affecting every aspect of society, every community, every age, every creed and uh, race. And so we have to collaborate. one thing that we have as an agency had to do is, like I said, do more awareness, more prevention education, you know, where in maybe when we first started as an agency in the 70s, uh, it was all about enforcement, enforcement, enforcement. But in the mid 80s, we had to incorporate prevention education. And here recently, in the past two, three, four, five years, it's been really robust because we were always good about partnering with other law enforcement agencies and with schools. You remember from Red Ribbon campaign, you know, back in the day and the just say no, all that. But now we're dealing with with faith-based organizations, with the medical community, with private business, because all that has affected all those industries as well. And so DEA has really been more open to engage, making those engagements and really working with the community on, on tackling, at it, tackling it at the enforcement level, but also on the prevention and education. Is there anything else you want people to know about the topic that maybe we didn't ask you directly about? You can get tired of having this discussion. I have a 24-year-old daughter and a 22-year-old son, and I speak to them about this every opportunity I get um, because one experimentation could be game over. Uh, Don't tire of having these conversations with your loved ones. You said when, you know, you were in the 90s as a young person, you know, maybe it could lead to a bad night in the hospital. You know, um, something that wouldn't kill you. But now it's uh, there's not a day that goes by where we don't hear a tragic story of a young life snuffed away because they took something they thought was a medication, but it was fentanyl. You hear cases every day of a young life being snuffed away because they took something they thought was a medication. It was a fake pill. 
or cases of someone thinking I'm taking my normal, uh, what I normally take of cocaine or heroin or meth, but it was laced with fentanyl and it ended their life. So we really have to have open, honest discussions about, you know, how experimentation now is just lethal and it could snuff out young promising lives not just i hear of athletes of soldiers of musicians of artists you know that were taken away too soon because that powerful opioid was in there so we need to really have these discussions every day and don't get tired of it uh, they're not easy uh, but we have to do it arm yourself with information dea.gov forward slash one pill download talk they hear you and then start having these conversations. Thanks again to Carlos Briano with the DEA out of El Paso headquarters. We appreciate his time talking to us about this important issue. And we'll be sure to link to some of those websites that he mentioned in our discussion if you want to read more about this issue and also link to some of our own reporting about, as Chris mentioned, the FBI had their largest fentanyl bust in the division's history in Albuquerque recently. Yeah, certainly a topic, admittedly, that going into this conversation, I did not know a lot about. Um, It is one of these words that you always hear tossed around, fentanyl, fentanyl, fentanyl. But to hear about just how extensively destructive it can be, um, the whole one pill can kill thing is not an exaggeration, even though I know for years um, the government has had catchy phrases related to drug use and drug enforcement. But... Uh, in all seriousness, that is a very true thing about this drug and just how potent it is. There's a lot of serious conversations that are, I think, starting to begin around this drug. So interesting to hear this stuff. We appreciate you listening. If you have any information uh, in terms of story ideas or suggestions, comments, questions, feel free to reach out to us. We appreciate those of you who have over these last several months. We're almost at our one year anniversary here. I'm at Chris.McKee at KRQE.com and also Chris McKee TV on social media. And you can reach me at Gabrielle.Burkhard at KRQE.com via email and gburknm on social media. Thank you all for listening. Mm-hmm.